In this podcast, you will learn how to build self-knowledge for personal growth in your PKM system, why a surprising amount of the PKM community is likely neurodivergent, and how to use AI to supercharge your PKM practice. Hello, PKMers. Welcome back to Personal Knowledge Management with Aiden Halfon, the podcast where I interview fellow PKMers and dive into the unique ways they use their PKM systems for work, creativity, and life. This week, we have Fis Fraga, a passionate advocate for the harmonious coexistence of technology and nature in our quest for a sustainable future. He has a master's degree in information technology and AI and is on a mission to craft resilient second brain systems for Tana and spread building a second brain to Brazil. His studies are at the crossroads of PKM, artificial intelligence, and personal growth. I am so glad to have you on, Fis. And the first question that I think we have to start with based on that description is what is the story behind becoming interested in AI, PKM, and personal growth, that trifecta. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you very much for that introduction, Aiden. Thank you for having me in your podcast. It's a pleasure. And yes, that's an amazing place to start. So that's a very dear intersection to me. And this is actually quite a story. So I'll just go to the main points here. So this has been a process of five years in the making since I graduated from college. I got into a sabbatical year where I was looking into new directions and new possibilities. And during that time, I got really into self-knowledge. So I went through a, a workshop which sparked this change in me where I really started going deep into my own self, my own interests, my strengths. And that process led me into a journey of personal growth where I started to read dozens of books and started to meditate and take care of my health. I started eating better. I started sleeping better. So it was a whole process of becoming better and, and getting into that trajectory. And simultaneously, more or less six months or one year later, I got into the master's for to study basically artificial intelligence and computer science in a general way. And that was so, so, in, uh, that was a, like a pivotal moment in my life because I looked ahead, like into the four, like 10, five to 10 years into the future. And I was certain that artificial intelligence was going to be super relevant because it was already everywhere in 2019. So I got into that master's degree and along the master's degree, a couple of situations like the pandemic, or I got a couple of books and courses that were recommended to me, led me into the book, How to Take Smart Notes. And that was in 2020, exactly three years and six months ago. And from there, the journey of knowledge management began. So I started getting into this topic of knowledge management. And I eventually found out about the new note-taking tool at the time, which was Rome Research. And I started going deep into that that cosmos of interactions and, and people who are talking about it. And eventually I started writing about Rome research and sharing publicly on Twitter about what I was learning and 
participating in the PKM community. And from there, these three topics started to combine and to flow basically together until today. So it's been a, a journey and it's been, each one has appeared in my life in a different way, but in the end, I'm still working with those three basically every day, <laughs> every week. And, and it's been a, a hell of a ride. Wow. I want to dive more into the very beginning of that journey when you talked about getting interested in self-knowledge through the course. Can you tell me more about what got you interested in self-knowledge back then and, and what you mean by self-knowledge as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such a crucial aspect of life because every knowledge is self-knowledge in a way because every knowledge goes through our unique perspectives mm. and opinions. So by self-knowledge, I'm specifically talking about knowing your interests, knowing your downsides, getting familiar with struggles that you had in life, getting familiar with aspirations, knowing your intrinsic motivators. So it was a deep process of, of it, it was actually a cathartic process of going inside and finding lots of pain and finding lots of reasons to, to dive deeper and to get to understand yourself so that you can come back at the end of this process like someone who has more clarity. So in the end, it's about clarity, about clarity of who you are, clarity about your strengths, your weaknesses. So it was kind of an accident that I got <laughs> into this course at the first place. At the time, I was 23 or, or 24. So it wasn't like calculated. It was one of those things that gets on the way and it, it, it appears on your path and then you go after it. So it was a, a very deep weekend that shifted like everything that I knew about myself or that I knew about kind of learning in a way. So it was very deep and, and interesting process. Especially the part where you talked about all knowledge in a way being self-knowledge because you have to perceive it through your own lens. I wanted to dive more into that and how you think that self-knowledge relates to personal knowledge management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the first clue here is in the name, right? It's personal knowledge management. So by definition, it is related to the person behind that knowledge. And the person behind that knowledge is you. <laughs> so like by every knowledge, there are of course different definitions for knowledge, but I really like to look at knowledge and understanding that it must be applied in, in order for it to be valuable, right? Knowledge, is only potential power, right? The the true power comes when you act on that knowledge. So if anyone is to act on any knowledge, it depends on their perspective, right? So every knowledge is different for each person. There's even this definition of, of knowledge that you can't transmit knowledge. So I can't transmit a knowledge directly to your brain. 
I need to deconstruct that knowledge into different pieces. And you're going to grab all of those pieces and you're going to create a different knowledge inside your brain because knowledge isn't something you can transfer from one person to another because it's different in every person. It depends on the perspective. It depends on your belief systems. It depends on what you're working on. How are you going to use that? So I think it's really it's really important to consider that that knowledge is dependent on on the context on the perspective and on the application mm, that's a a great point that you made at the end there because i think that's in a way one of the big purposes of pkm is taking information that you get from the outside world and trying to figure out a way to talk about it in your own language inside of your PKM system so that you can understand it. Because as you said, if I try and explain a concept to you, you can only understand it through your own reference point, right? Imagine if I tried to explain what mm -hmm. orange juice tasted like, but I wasn't allowed to use <laughs> food. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it tastes like yeah. this <laughs> weird, weird. <laughs> food item thing uh and i wasn't allowed to use like any any other actual food <laughs> right yeah, yeah. impossible <laughs> so how do you think that we can use our pkm systems to better understand ourselves build that self-knowledge so now we're stepping onto another direction and since we're talking about uh, using the PKM system, there's this really interesting concept that, that I love about knowledge management and note-taking apps, and it is environment design. So for me, it all starts with shaping your environment. There are three ways to make lasting change, according to BJ Fogg from Tiny Habits, and it is first, an epiphany, second, changing your habits in tiny ways, and third, it's shaping your environment. So PKM gives us an awesome tool to shape our environment, our digital environment, because we're going to open that app, whatever app it is, every day. We're going to look at a specific page or a specific part of your system every day. So this gives you an opportunity to choose how do you want to grow as a person? How do you want to get to know yourself as a person every day? And for me, the best way to shape that and the best practice to add to your daily notes page for example or to a page that you open frequently is a journaling section so for me journaling is the best way to achieve self-knowledge because you are deliberately seeking to reflect and by reflecting of course you're always going to go through your own self-knowledge which means that Every time that you journal, you're going to think about something new. You're going to look at yourself. Even if you're thinking about projects that, that you have to accomplish, they're always going through your own person and your own perspectives and, and outputs and goals. But of course, there are ways in which you can deliberately reflect on yourself. So one of the best ways that you can direct your journal is it's through a weekly or a periodic mm. review. So I'm going with the flow here and like 
for me, a review is a lot about journaling as well, because it is looking back at who you were one week ago or one month ago and how are you different? How, how have you grown since then? What are the wins that you've made? What are the, for example, bad behaviors that you've noticed in yourself? What are some of the challenges that you're struggling with? And going through this deliberate process every week will completely and radically shape your life because you will have the opportunity to become a better person and to get your get to know yourself better every week. So for me, there are these different time frames where you can change your environment to support you. So I, I talked about the daily page, but there's also kind of a weekly page. So do you have a weekly page in your in your note taking app, for example? For me, that's crucial because every week, again, you have an opportunity to go through a set of habits that you have designed and inserted into your own environment to help you know yourself or to help you go on another directions, right? We're talking about self-knowledge, but this applies in, in other areas and in, in other pursuits that any, any person may have. But yeah, for me, I think those are the two pillars. It's journaling and daily is a good time frame and then reviews and looking back critically at your behavior, at your thoughts, at your impulses, at your lack <laughs> of impulses, right? And, and understanding yourself. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like for you, the two pillars of building self-knowledge through PKM are journaling and specifically journaling with reviews attached to them. And by putting down the feelings, the thoughts the uh, from your day-to-day -day and then looking at the patterns over time, you can start to see patterns. Like for instance, anytime I see this jar of peanut butter, on my desk, <laughs> I get craving. I'm like, wow, that would be tasty to eat right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I would love to get more concrete. I do have mine. Oh, you have yours well, right there? A... <laughs> <laughs> this is phenomenal. I'm curious, is there an example of a pattern that you've noticed through doing these reviews that has built self-knowledge for you? Mm-hmm. So a specific pattern about my own behavior. Yes. That you're willing to share, obviously. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's think a little bit before I jump into any random pattern. Okay, there is something that I really, 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 really appreciate. And it's been a, a, huge, a huge insight that I've acquired in my life. And it comes from this book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And in this book, Gay Hendricks explains a concept that he calls the upper limit problem. And the upper limit problem is a problem that all of us humans share. And it is quite simple, actually. And every time that you pass through this limit, and the limit is a limit of positive feelings. So if you feel more positive feelings than you are used to or that you have limited as, as your limit, then you will do something bad to get your your kind of your good feelings back to a normal level. Mm. So it's a, it's a fascinating study and it, it's valuable to go deeper into that on another moment. 
but applying specifically to like journaling and noticing patterns, the act of journaling and actively looking for occasions where I've did something bad to myself or to someone I love, and, and it can be like accidental, like it doesn't need to be deliberate, right? But for example, if I get into a fight with my girlfriend on a random day, Sometimes it, it has nothing to do with me and her. Sometimes it's just a reflex because we were having like I was having an amazing time at work and everything was working and I was managing to like write my master's thesis. <laughs> so by accumulating positive feelings and not being used to those feelings or, or having a limit that's below your current level, you do something bad to get you down to earth. So for me, journaling has really helped me identify those moments where it seems like I've fallen into a bad habit or I've given in into a vice or, or into a, a bad behavior. And it's actually a sign that I'm going on the right direction. I'm making progress. And because I've made progress and I'm feeling good by not being able to handle that big amount of, of good feelings, I've actually fall down and, and do that bad behavior. So journaling about this and reflecting and having this in mind while going through a weekly review helps me identify certain bad behaviors, which are actually just me giving in to the, to the good feelings and not being able to handle good things that are happening in my life. So that specifically is one of the journal prompts that I've used for quite some time. And it's really helped me identify those occasions and make them clear in your mind. Because once you understand that, that you yourself are, are making your life worse, you can start stopping that, that pattern. Hello, PKMers. I have some exciting news, which is my new video course, The Art of Linked Reading, is finally coming out. This course helps people who struggle to understand, connect, remember, apply, and smartly share insights from nonfiction books learn to do so with linked note-taking apps like Obsidian, Tana, LogSeek, and more. I'm excited to share this course with you because linked reading has changed my life. I used to read tons as a kid until I got to school and lost my love for reading. But in junior year of high school, I started taking notes from books again. And once I found the PKM community and linked note-taking apps, I was able to take linked notes. I started cultivating my inner genius by coming up with novel insights. People noticed. They saw that I was more articulate, interesting. And I started understanding, remembering, and applying my book insights. So if you want to make the same transformation, check out the course in the description of this podcast below. Hope you have a phenomenal rest of the podcast. Right. Yeah, I was really interested in that idea that you mentioned because what it reminds me of is hedonic adaptation, which is the universal psychological tendency to revert back to a baseline level of happiness after Ooh. positive or negative changes. And... What that means is being aware of that is very powerful because it can help you navigate when you feel down when nothing is really happening. <laughs> like, for instance, I remember last uh, during the middle of this semester, 
I was feeling particularly down one day when I was like at Olin Library and I called my mom. I was like, I don't know why I'm feeling so down. You know, I just don't really feel like my usual self, even though I'm doing the same thing. And she's like, boy, I've been a teacher for 30 years. Every time we reach the middle of the semester, everyone gets more sad. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, that always happens. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because you've you've had that initial high of the beginning of the semester and then you aren't at the end yet so you don't have the 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 positive mm, positivity of like being like whoa the end is almost in sight you're in that middle path and it's navigating that that is still difficult but becomes easier if you can Mm -hmm. recognize why it's happening in journaling is because it's a lot more scary when you have no idea why something is occurring yes. than when you, you have some sort of explanation. For sure. Journaling really helps with clarity. Again, it's one of my favorite words in the world. It's clarity. So if you have clarity of the situation, you have the ability to solve it, right? If you don't have clarity, then you're kind of lost, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I resonate so much with that. And I, I'm curious based off of this self-knowledge that we're talking about that's found through journaling, can you more concretely explain how this works on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly schedule and how the reviews are also different in between? Yes, of course. So let's start with the smallest cycle which is the daily cycle and this is probably the most personal one so what i consider to be useful to include on a daily basis of reflection will probably be different to what you consider to be useful on a daily basis but i'm going to tell what works for me and what has been the pillars of my daily reflection and then i'll expand to weeks and months and quarters and years so on a daily basis It's more about getting those fleeting thoughts out of your head. So I really like to have just like an initial thoughts space or just like random thoughts where I can just write whatever is in my mind. You know, that's quite useful. But I also like to use that daily frame, which is the one that you've been doing the most to include some other very powerful aspects of journaling that that you can do. So for me, a great opportunity is to write down what's your main goal in life every day because by writing that down you're connecting with your desire of achieving that and you're again coming back to that place of clarity of what is it that i really want to achieve in life so another interesting thing to include daily for me is gratitude so gratitude is such a powerful feeling and a powerful state that it's almost irresponsible for not not to be grateful every day because it's such a powerful state and if you are not using that opportunity every day you are leaving opportunities on the table you are leaving something on the table and my gratitude literally changes your brain it makes you notice positive feelings and positive situations in your life much better it shifts your perception from the negative to the positive. So, so, so powerful. And there's so many uh, 
benefits that that's certainly something you want to do every day <laughs> and and i mean those are the the two most powerful in my opinion but you could just choose any anything else that that helps you daily and, and start reflecting on that and finally a weekly a daily reflection is also something that's really powerful so you might just look at your day see like a stoic mindset of things that I did well, things that I did bad, how did I react to things? So those are also nice prompts that you could use daily, especially at the end of the day, looking back and, and reflecting. So that's it for the daily time frame. And whenever I go onto a, a bigger scale, for example, weeks or months, I really like to, to think about how am I different and in a positive way, usually. So on a weekly level, I will always tend to, to look at my wins. So what are my wins for the week? Because mm. again, pushing, pulling something that you've mentioned, which is the hedonic adaptation. So the hedonic adaptation will basically make you lose motivation whenever you're doing the same thing over time because it's not as exciting it's not as new you're used to your new level so there is a very interesting way to combat the hedonic adaptation and that's looking for the gain and the mm. gain is a concept from the gap in the game it's a it's a book and a concept by dan sullivan and benjamin hardy so the way it works is you have two ways to compare yourself. And one is when you're in the gap, when you're comparing against your ideals, against what you haven't achieved yet. And when you're in the game, when you compare yourself to your past, when you compare and measure your progress and how have you changed, what have you achieved on this last week or month. So I do this every week religiously because it, puts me in a positive frame and it helps me look at the past and always be accumulating progress and accumulating wins and increasing my motivation because I'm not as susceptible to hedonic adaptation because I'm always motivated. I'm always looking at the progress that I'm making. I'm not taking it for granted. What happens with hedonic adaptation is that you take things that you have for granted because you're just used to it. So if you don't take things for granted and you actually measure those wins and you take into consideration how are you different what new habits what positive habits are you being able to do what positive outcomes have you achieved new contacts that you've made podcasts that you've participated in you're always accumulating wins and being more excited for the next week that will come so this is the main reflection that i would do every week and following from that is basically a preparation for for the next week which would be to reflect on your current situations and outline what would be three powerful outcomes for the next week so you're coming from a place of of gratitude of gain where you're excited about what you've achieved and now you're looking ahead and weekly you're reflecting and thinking about positive and ideally big outcomes that you can achieve on the next week to keep pushing and keep making progress so that's what i would go for on on a weekly level those are there are two things that i i 
I do religiously. I could also go for a couple of review prompts, but these are, again, a little more personal. So I don't think it's that right. useful to share all of the all of the prompts that I would use. And yeah. then going on to the month and quarter cycle, now things get really interesting because if you live deliberately and if you really strive for making big progress in your life, you can make more progress in a quarter than most people can do in a year. So if you are looking at quarters, you have a massive opportunity to make big progress and to achieve big outcomes that you maybe thought were impossible before. This means that you need to think before you start a quarter, right? Most people are just living by, right? They, they don't have a habit of reflecting deeply periodically, right? So if you take every quarter and you deeply reflect about where you are right now, what, what were the major accomplishments that you had on the past quarter? How are you different? What are the new levels that you've achieved? And more than the ceilings, what are the new floors that you've arrived, right? Like what mm. bad habits have you eliminated and what bad habits do you want to eliminate? And sometimes it's not even uh, a bad habit. Sometimes it's just something that used to be normal three months ago. But if you're pushing for a new level, maybe you have to stop doing that. Maybe you need to strive for bigger accomplishments. So if you have this type of, of mindset and, and you do a deep reflection every quarter and deeply think about what are the three most important areas in your life and what's the like a huge progress, a huge leap that you can have on those three areas. For example, it could be like financial area. So what's a big leap that you could do financially in three months? Another one could be your health. So how can you radically change your health in three months? And, and like if you actually go deep and make the reflection, which is something most people are not up to, to going through, which is sitting down <laughs> and thinking deeply, you can achieve massive progress in three months. And, and then the way that you connect these two together, for example, the daily and the weekly reflections with the bigger reflection for each quarter is through those weekly reviews and monthly reviews where you will be going back through everything you've achieved, looking at your wins, looking at how you're different and striving for big objectives on the next week or in the next month, trying to go for that big, massive leap every quarter. So that's a little progression of how I would use like journaling and reflection to become a better person. And, and by achieving big outcomes, you're definitely going to need to become a better person in the process because success starts from, from within, right? I feel like that should have been a hundred dollar digital course that we just experienced, <laughs> but we somehow got it for five minutes uh, or ten minutes of gold, and that that was incredible. I'm gonna, I I believe that some of the major points that you had, which I loved, were firstly this idea of reflecting at a higher and higher scale with the higher order reviews which means that on the day-to-day -day basis, you're not juggling for hours with the existential meaning of what it means to be human, 
right? Yeah. You're only doing it for a little bit of time. Because yeah. it would be overwhelming if you were doing that all the day. But then mm -hmm. as you go up the orders, it gets higher and higher scale. And you start to notice patterns that you wouldn't have on just a day, day scale. And I really like this analogy that you had of looking at your goals as how far has the floor risen rather than how far are you from the ceiling? Because mm -hmm. it reminds me about how in social comparison theory, we tend to compare ourselves to the people around us, not compare ourselves mm -hmm. to some objective metric, which reminds Olympic athletes where the bronze medalists actually tend to be happier than the silver medalists because the silver medalists are like, oh man, I just didn't make it to gold. Whereas the bronze medalists are like, eh, I got a medal. That's what I care about. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think the same thing applies to our goals. Like how often do we not feel satisfied with a goal just because we're measuring from how far we are from our goal rather than how far we've come. So I really mm -hmm. loved that. Um, and it also, I think the last valuable thing about doing these reviews so regularly is it allows you to experience the fresh start effect. The fresh start effects, the motivation you get when you do something new. And usually we only experience it on a time scale at our birthday and New Year's. But when you do these reviews, yeah. you're like hacking the fresh start effect. You get to feel it literally every single week to some degree and even more every quarter. Uh, so, yeah, I just I love the, the power of these reviews. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's very powerful, the fresh start. And indeed, you're making your ears into quarters and... And sometimes even weeks, like you can have a year's progress in a week sometimes if it's one of those life-changing yeah. weeks. And now I'm going to do something very mean, which is I'm going to put you in the hot seat of a question I got <laughs> when I talked about these reviews in the past on, on uh, the PKM podcast with Danny Hatcher. And uh, the question they asked me was, what is the value of doing these reviews periodically rather than spontaneously at, at any given point and also through writing so i'm i'm super curious to see see your response because I, I was put directly in the hot seat for this one <laughs> <laughs> okay so well for me it's actually a very easy question because i have always been fascinated by maths and i've graduated in engineering i've made a master's in computer science so math is ingrained in my veins and for me this is a mathematical answer man because when you do something periodically and consistently you're stacking up iterations and if in every iteration you get better by one percent two percent ten percent you're stacking them up and multiplying them exponentially so if you do a review sporadically you are basically losing the exponential effect. If you do a review consistently after one year, if you have 
done 52 weekly reviews you have stacked 52 multipliers into your own personal growth so you get to ex you get to experience compound growth and compound growth is when you multiply something by itself and it just keeps growing and keeps growing and eventually you get into a, a place and a position of exponential growth so for me that's it you get exponential growth if you do it consistently and you get sporadic growth if you do it sporadically ah so if you weren't doing it periodically like you were just like ah, i'm gonna do my weekly review at this time uh and then maybe you skip like three weeks because you're like i don't need to you don't get the benefit of mm -hmm. having that streak of doing your reviews over time like doing 52 reviews at once for example exactly you lose the compounding you're going to be allocated sim simple interest instead of compound interest over your growth I wanted to move on to a subject I know is close to your heart recently, now that we've dove in into personal growth as it relates to PKM. <laughs> and that is, you have gotten interested in this concept of giftedness uh, recently. And I wanted you to first off explain what giftedness mm -hmm. is and how it has affected your life since you've learned about it. Yes, that's indeed a very dear subject to me. And I found about I found out about this topic basically three months ago. And a giftedness is in neurodivergence. So it is very similar to ADHD. And actually lots of people who have ADHD also have giftedness <laughs> and some of the people who have ADHD actually don't have ADHD and are indeed badly like kind of diagnosed and they may have giftedness. So what is giftedness? It's neurodivergence, which means your brain works differently and how your brain works differently is interesting and challenging at the same time so you are gifted with the ability of processing information very deeply very rapidly not only information you have the ability to process emotions very deeply and very rapidly so people with giftedness tend to be highly sensitive and this makes them sometimes have a hard time especially as a children especially when you're young because you have no idea of, of how, why you're feeling things so intensely and this might may lead to kind of behavior challenges and and emotional challenges but let's keep going with some of the characteristics so another thing about gifted people is that they are deeper they, they think deeply about life so you don't support so if you're a person who can't stand small talk and talking about the weather you you might have a deeper understanding of life and, and you want to talk about existential questions and and deep philosophical aspects of life instead of talking <laughs> about the change in temperature for three weeks, <laughs> right like, like i don't care about that specifically <laughs> So like those are some of the of the characteristics, but in general, it's 
a different way of thinking, which is considered to be beneficial in the sense that you can process information faster and, and, and deeper. But it's also a challenge because you mm. can also feel distant to other people and you are very aware of your ignorance so usually it's a paradox right because usually gifted people they are aware that they are ignorant because they have a rapid and a good understanding of the world around them so you know that you actually don't know anything right but you see all of the other people around you claiming that they're the best claiming that they know everything and being super confident and you start to create this image in your mind that maybe you're kind of not that great maybe you're comparing yourself to others and they're everything they have everything figured out while you're massively overthinking everything in your mind which is highly analytical so you start to to experience some social distance to other people so sometimes this brings the challenge of of having a hard time with social interactions and sometimes you might get really nervous and just like not be able to handle these interactions because you're also deeply sensitive. And sometimes you may just not want to interact with others socially because they are different and because you're on another space. But I mean, one of the, the effects that this can have is to reduce your confidence. And now I'm going to go into how this has been highly valuable to me. So I basically found out about this research, as I said, two, three months ago. And the thing that I most noticed in me that I most connected with was that I always knew that I was intelligent, that I was good at maths and logics. But I kind of, for no reason, I always saw myself as being low in confidence. And one of the explanations for that is because I've always seen other people as being a little different from me. So I was actually different from others. So I kind of saw myself as in the low and I compared myself to others. And I was very good at creating a reasoning for how I was worse than other people because I had this high analytical ability. So I got myself into a place where I grew up with very low confidence, even though I was smart, even though... I played sports, even though I I had other positive qualities. So what happened was when I found out this research, which is actually a Brazilian guy here, which talks in and does his research in Portuguese. The first thing that came to mind was like, whoa, like I, I, I have been feeling with low confidence my entire life. And there's a reason behind it. It's kind of scientifically explained because of the neurological patterns and, and the social situations I've been through. So I had an, an immediate boost in confidence, like from in one week, just because I learned about this theory and understood that there are different types of, of people, uh, neurodivergent people, and not only ADHD, because I kind of connected with some of the symptoms with ADHD for, for quite some time and I had this little thought in my mind but it didn't match completely so when I found out there there was this other neurodivergence which is giftedness and that I identified with it and that one of the main characteristics was a low confidence because of a couple of, of factors there that gave me the permission 
to understand that, wait a minute, I don't need to feel low in confidence. I, I can actually immediately raise my confidence because I now understand the reasons why I had a low confidence before. So this basically opened up a whole new avenue of, of working for me. And it was really life-changing. And, and I started to look at several friends and, and family and, and friends of friends and brothers of friends. And I started to point out to people and look and, and think about other people and say, wait, you might also have this neurodivergence. And I started to spread the word because it's, it had such a positive impact in my life that I really wanted to share it with as many people as I can. And just to wrap up, one of the reasons because I really want to share this with other people is because people with giftedness or gifted people, they have a very peculiar way of focusing. And it's called hyperfocus. And hyperfocus is, is a common word. Like people talk about this, but not as deeply. And the thing is, when you have hyperfocus, you have a very hard time focusing for a small period of time. You have a very hard time doing something that you're not really excited to do. And on the other hand, if you really want to dive into something, you can do that for six hours and it's going to feel like a breeze, right? If you're deeply ingrained into that, you're going to activate hyperfocus and you can just go and you won't stop because you have that hyperfocus. So it's a challenging thing to handle this hyperfocus because you need to create the environment to help you with that because it's... It's challenging to not be able to focus on demand, like on, on any small task, right? You have to learn to leverage that hyper-focus. So it's something that society today is really lacking, focus. And a couple of people, it's actually like around 2% of the population is considered to have uh, giftedness, which looks like a small percentage, but it's actually freaking huge. 2% is a lot of people. And so <laughs> there are like definitely millions of people who have this giftedness, they don't know that they have it and they're having a hard time focusing because they, they can't activate that hyper-focus and they're always navigating on that shallow ground, right? And mm. it's not where they, Talking they about play the to their advantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's a little panorama of, of what uh, giftedness is and how it's been very special in, in yeah. the last couple of months to me. Hello, everyone. If you enjoyed the podcast, you should consider checking out my and fellow Obsidian creator John Maverick's flagship note-taking course, Obsidian University, your secret weapon in school. Obsidian University is a pre-made student vault filled with school templates, Obsidian plugins, and a tag-along course that explains how to use the various aspects of the vault, as well as training you in understanding the core concepts of personal knowledge management. It's the vault we wish we had when making our Obsidian journey three years ago. In it, you will learn to get good grades in less time so you can focus on actually enjoying college life and making memories. You'll learn the best mindsets, methods, and tools for leveling up your note-taking and studying. You'll learn to navigate the overwhelming amount of information in the digital age. You'll build a note-taking system that compounds your knowledge across semesters. You'll learn better, remember more, and become more creative. You'll fall back in love with student learning, 
And you'll get to do so while joining fellow passionate learners in our exclusive Obsidian University Discord and with access to John and I for being in the Discord as well. You can join the new student era today by checking out Obsidian University in the podcast description below. What you just described is a perfect example of how a piece of self-knowledge can radically transform your life. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, just learning about this concept immediately raised your confidence after a week. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if you think about it, isn't that insane? Like, human... <laughs> totally human, insane. We tend to diminish the power of an idea because, like, theoretically, over the course of your life, you're going to learn a lot of ideas. So any one of them were like, uh, you know, it can't be like, I can't completely transform your life. But, like, they totally can't. If you... A single book, if it has one idea that you use for the rest of your life, that mm -hmm. has completely transformed, I mean, the rest of your life. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's so powerful, like you said, to understand the characteristics of giftedness, which, as you said, are ability to hyper-focus, generally quite intelligent, which can mean that you are very good at coming up with ways that you're inept, <laughs> yes. lowering confidence. <laughs> and just by recognizing that, you can navigate it so much better in your mm -hmm. life. I'm curious, how do you think giftedness relates to the PKM community? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And but before I jump into that, you, you mentioned that like these one idea can completely change your life and you can carry it through your entire life. And there's a quote that beautifully illustrates this. And it is that a mind once expanded can never shift back to its original size. So sometimes one idea is all it takes and, and you're going to be forever different because you can never, ex you can never compress something that's expanded like your mind expanded can never be compressed back to its original state. So that's, that's a really profound reflection. Now back to your question about giftedness and PKM. And this question actually gives me the chills, like the goosebumps. I have goosebumps right now, right now <laughs> because it's so connected. And I mentioned that 2% of the population is considered to have giftedness. If you go to the PKM community, I have no clue like how bigger that percentage is, but I'm definitely sure it's more around like 20% or like 30% than 2%. Because people who have a very high complexity and have a, a, a very high ability to deal with abstraction, they really need help with their thoughts. They really need support to manage that complexity because they are going to go crazy inside their minds because people who have that ability and that intensity, they need a channel. They need to channel that somewhere. And that's why I think a good amount of people who find the knowledge management space and who become a part of the knowledge management community, 
they are in need of support because they are dealing with a lot of complexity in their minds. So I really think that the proportion of gifted people in the PKM atmosphere is huge. Like it's, and, and this makes it even more important that people from the PKM community get familiar <laughs> with this term and get interested in, in, in learning more about this. So if you want to have a quick uh, glimpse at, at what you're, if you are gifted or not, one of the tests that better, that best um, predicts this is the ocean test, which is a personality test, which talks about five traces of personality. And two of them are, are very important, which is the openness and the, what's the second one is the conscientiousness. So openness and conscientiousness, because people who are gifted, they have a very, very high openness. So openness is very connected to intellect. And I was not aware of this before I took the test. So openness is very high and conscientiousness is very low on people who, who have giftedness. And, and conscientiousness is somewhat at the opposite spectrum of PKM because conscientiousness is your ability to kind of be organized and follow through with your efforts and be able to be diligent. And, and PKM is kind of a, a balance, like a balancing, balancing force for people with low conscientiousness. So I personally have a very low conscientiousness and I have a really hard time keeping like my commitments or, or like being effortful and, and putting effort into something and being consistent. So in a way, PKM is a channel for me to massively increase my conscientiousness because I have a system, right? Because I have a system to handle my my objectives, my, my weeks, my projects, because I have uh, accountability in a way inside my PKM. It's with myself, but I do have accountability because of the way that I structure my PKM process. So PKM is a very powerful tool to help with dealing with complexity and people with giftedness have much more complexity than people without it. So I think it's, it's a fascinating connection to study deeper yeah i'm like so many things are going off in my head because <laughs> when when you talked about the idea of giftedness and then how you think it relates to pkm it's making me remember the phase of my life when i first got into pkm where i was obsessed with mm -hmm. what was the best folder tag and linking system like to just an insane degree like no human being should care this much about what organizational structure they use and yet i i would just i just couldn't stop like i, I took like four i took four courses on personal knowledge management which is more than anyone anyone would theoretically need to get like 80 percent of the results yeah and yeah it's like i i think the PKM community naturally draws people that really, really enjoy learning for learning's sake. And also, as you say, like relate to that gifted aspect that you're talking about. And I think another important thing to say is it's not necessarily that you are inherently um, 
gifted or ungifted because I did, I used to not be like this. Like uh, in, in high school, I played video games all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was too, just channeling. <laughs> I was channeling my love for learning into a different medium, uh, which was video games. Because if you think about it, video games are all about learning. Yeah, and they are complex um, as well. They're, all, they're also complex, yeah. It was only like when I learned to channel it into a more healthy thing mm-hmm. uh, of like learning from books that that I joined like the PCAM community. Um, yeah, I kind of I kind of want to ask just for funsies, like what what hyper focused uh, projects have you done in the past, or you've just worked on something for like six hours <laughs> or more? <laughs> so I'm going to go back into high school as well and, and get yeah. the get the ride that you've done. Because you've mentioned video games, and I was also very into video games. And I would basically go into hyper-focus, playing Civilization five, or like just going very deep into games. So one of the, the most common sources of hyper-focus is video games. Because it's that perfect balance for you to get into flow, right? Because it's challenging, because it's fun, right? So... Yeah, a very easy source of, of hyper focus is definitely video games. And I also went through that process of maturing and getting into a new phase of life where I can channel that hyper focus onto other things, right? So there are two things that come to mind, and one of them we've mentioned already. So I think it's nice to start with that, which is the deep review process. So that, that's something that really that I really got into hyper-focus throughout kind of the last two, three years. And it is just kind of taking an afternoon and sitting down and watching a couple of videos about psychology and just reflecting on your past and reflecting on your future and just like thinking about big goals, thinking about big victories that you've had on the past. So that really gets me, or like not always, but it has the ability to get me into hyper-focus because it's, it's exciting as hell <laughs> to, yeah. to deeply ponder and reflect on life. So that's one thing. And another source of hyper-focus is definitely working on my TANA template. So when I've been building the template, it, it, it's very complex because it had, handles several different areas of life and different processes. So it's... It's interesting because there is a connection in between things. So like how are your notes and your projects going to connect with your weekly plan and your weekly review and how this is going to connect with your overarching long-term vision and how that's connected to the areas of your life. So like there are multiple pathways and multiple ways that you can add complexity to it. So it's been a real big source of of hyper-focus as well. And again, it's not always, right? Sometimes I have been trying to get into focus and I just couldn't manage. Like I, I was trying to do something small, but it I would procrastinate and I wouldn't start and I wouldn't start and I would have a very hard time starting to actually do that. But when I can <laughs> start and when I can work for like extended periods of time, time just flows by and like I just can go working deep into creating the template and just working through those connections and pathways. Yeah. I deeply resonate with that. I also was a big Civ guy back in high school and 
Total War as well. The combination. Those, that was like bad candy to me. I, I could just go on and on for so long. And nowadays, what's really been the deep, hyper-focused uh, thing for me is just being in note-making in my second brain in any mm-hmm. way. Like, for instance, this book, Behave, awesome by Robert B. Sapolsky. I was reading this for the last like month it's 700 pages (laughs) (laughs) and i was note taking on it earlier today for like four hours and those four hours just like (laughs) it just disappears Mm -hmm. right and like if i was doing something else this is the weird thing is if it's something else that's not as engaging to me like i can't survive Mm -hmm. for like even 30 minutes on it but if it's like something that's really deeply interesting i could just go for so long yeah 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 reading is is definitely a source of hyper focus as well when you're reading and thinking about it and processing the information when when you're just reading you might get tired though because reading is demanding but if you switch over then you can get that hyper focus for sure yeah i i really i just i'd love this idea of uh first we start off with like personal growth and pkm and then giftedness um, and I'd like to transition into your, your third interest, which we haven't gone into as much yet. Mm-hmm. We've talked about personal growth. We've talked about PKM. How do you think that AI fits into those two and what we've talked about so far? A complex question because I can answer it in several different directions because AI can help with knowledge management. AI can help with personal growth. It can help with both, right? There, there are different pathways which we could take here. So I think with knowledge management is the most tangible one for us to, to think about. And knowledge management is, and I, I like to look at, at four processes of knowledge management, which are the creation of knowledge, number one. Number two is a coupled system, which is storage and retrieval of knowledge. Number three is the transfer of knowledge. And number four is the application of knowledge. And you put that to use. So I think it makes sense to look at how AI fits in into each of these four stages. So generative AI is the most popular uh, type of AI that people are talking about right now. And that's going to handle mainly the creation when you're creating knowledge you're generating knowledge so like generative models and llms are going to help you with that now where i think ai is going to be very useful and it's kind of underrated is in storage and retrieval so retrieval of knowledge is for me the essence of knowledge management because you can create thousands of notes if you never look back at them like what what's the use of creating thousands of notes in the first place so if you organize your notes which is a process many people are familiar with that's one part of the system which is storing right organizing is storing your notes if you don't retrieve those notes then again like if you're not retrieving a note was it really stored in the first place like it 
is it really organized if you're not being able to find it later? So I think that AI can massively help us retrieve information. And I think this is going to be one of the biggest steps that AI integration with knowledge management is going to have. Because when you use AI for retrieval, you can leverage tags in a different way. So you can leverage the words that you speak, that you write on a note in a different way, because you can start asking questions to your own database, to your own second brain or knowledge management system and retrieve information that you don't know you have in there using AI. So I think this is one of the most powerful aspects of of AI applied to knowledge management, which is the retrieval of information. And there are different ways in which you could do that, but there are going to be many. And next year, for sure, they're going to start popping up. Of course, there are already AI mechanisms to retrieve information working today. I know that Obsidian, there are different ways that you can connect and, and use embeddings inside your your obsidian graph and like so each node is going to become a piece of data and you can run ai similarity or you can ask questions and retrieve information according to what's inside your notes i don't know how to do it because i don't use obsidian but i know it's possible <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's, it's going to start popping up a lot i want to hear more about this concept of retrieval and before i ask you the next question, what it reminds me of is a post by Tiago about how the one of the most beautiful things AI will be able to do with your second brain in the future is use your second brain as the database it's trained on instead of the entire internet. So like imagine a large language model, but it's trained on you. <laughs> like, yeah. and then And then when you ask it questions, it answers in a way that's responsive to you, which I've had some very surreal moments with myself just using ChatGPT or GPT-4, because what else, what I've done before, if I don't understand something, I'll feed it some information from my notes, and then I'll say, write this in a way that someone interested in video games could understand. <laughs> and it'll use like video game analogies, and I'm like, like, it's so helpful. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense now. So I'm curious. I know you said there was a lot of different ways that it will be able to be integrated in the future, but what's one or two that you're most excited for? Yeah, training language models on your notes is definitely one of the most powerful things we can do as PKMers because... It's literally going to be able to retrieve any piece of information that you've fed to it originally with a specific context in mind, right? We were talking about knowledge in the beginning of the podcast and how it depends on perspective. It depends on context, right? So context is really important. So you're basically going to train an AI with all your knowledge. So it's going to have that as a storage, right? It, it's, you're going to store all of your knowledge in there. And now you're going to come with a specific context in mind. And AI is going to help you retrieve 
the knowledge that you have stored according to that context. And this is very powerful, right? Because you're becoming a, a machine, a retrieval machine. <laughs> because you can retrieve anything that you've put into your second brain right when the moment is appropriate, right? When you really need it, when you're looking for it. So this is one of the use cases where I think it's going to be really powerful. And since you're asking for like specific use cases, another thing that I think I'm really excited about personally is the data structure that the Tana app is bringing forth because it works with super tags, right? So the super tags are tags which determine categories of objects that you have inside your second brain. So just as an example, a project can be considered to be an object and each project can be can, can have several notes. So like notes are another type of object and tasks are another type of object. Just so we can illustrate this. And you have a super tag for each of these different objects. So what happens is once you create a, kind of a map, and if you're familiar with programming, you have this diagram called the class diagram, right? It's a, a diagram that explains what are the different types of data that you have and what are the different attributes or fields that each of these types hold or the characteristics that these types have and what are the connections to other types. So you start to create a map of, of several different relationships in your graph, right? So when you start having these different relationships, you have the power of retrieving other types from within a specific type. So back to the, the example of projects and notes, whenever I'm working on a project, I can find, I can retrieve notes that are related to that project, either through deliberate assigning. So I, I can assign a note as this belongs to project X and also using search or, or using different kind of queries that, that can surface notes. So if you want to find notes about creativity or about a book you've read, like you can find those notes with different contexts and kind of send them into a project, right? So this is one example. The things start to get really interesting when you go into specific use cases and specific like industry specific, right? So if you're working with farms, <laughs> just like a, a tangible different example, right? If you're working with farms, you you will be handling total diff, totally different knowledge as if you are making cars, right? In a, in a car manufacturing industry. So the thing with, with Tana is in these super tags, you can create specific data objects for any industry or any aspect of your life. And you can apply these mechanisms of retrieval and you can kind of create relationships and create this map, which in computer science is called an ontology. So an ontology is a description of a language, right? So you're creating a language for that industry and you have the ability and like this is already available like in Tana. So this is like not a, an AI advancement for the future, rather an AI that you can use right now. <laughs> so <laughs> you can already create awesome connections between your data and retrieve objects inside other objects and 
work more efficiently because the way that I, I put it once is that data moves fluidly through Tana's veins because it kind of this goes from one place to another because of these types, because of these super tags and the ability to search for these types according to relationships or attributes or characteristics that they have. I'm my excitement is can barely be contained because the the way that I think both of those two things are going to be so powerful in the future is if a PKM system with AI can be trained on yourself, mm -hmm. your own knowledge, what that allows you to do is when you ask it questions or you create new notes, it is in your language. Right. And one thing that I didn't realize until I read the book aptly named how to read a book <laughs> is you might have the same words as other people, but you don't necessarily have the same terms. A term is an unambiguous word. So your definition of self-knowledge might be different from my definition of self-knowledge. Now that I've asked you what self-knowledge was, to you earlier, we can talk about it in a sense that makes coherence to both of us. But when I ask ChatGPT that's not trained on my own knowledge a question, it might answer in words that have different terms than me. Whereas if I ask it trained on my own database, it's going to answer in a way that is in my language. And therefore, it's going to make so much more sense to me compared to if I just asked it on the internet. So, yeah, I, I just am seeing the, the, the connection between your three interests are just so incredible. <laughs> like AI, P, PKM, and personal growth. I just feel those are so related. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. Was, was there anything else in pertains to AI that you wanted to adventure into? Or do you think those two avenues we went down are, are the, the main ones? Uh, I, since we're talking about this three, this intersection of three aspects, uh, I think that it's worth mentioning that AI can also help a lot with personal growth. And like there is one simple, like really simple way, which is I like to record audio notes and I like to reflect on those audio notes. So I send them into Tana which can be like a 15-minute reflection. And then I run an AI that organizes those thoughts for me. So it lists all of the wins, all of the bad behaviors that I had, if I have any goal for the next week, if I, if I met someone new, like different things that AI can fetch from that audio note that I recorded. So that's an interesting and very simple way that AI can help with personal growth. And in this case, it's about kind of organizing and categorizing, but we could go even deeper, right? Like if you are going through those deep reflections every quarter, for example, why not bring up an AI assistant that will have your inputs and, and you're going to reflect on like different things you want to achieve, different habits that you want to have, who's people that you want to connect with. So if you list them out, and then send them into a, an AI script, which is kind of trained or, or adapted to work as a, as a sparing partner, as a thinking partner, 
it can provide you with new directions and new possibilities that you didn't consider before. So it might be a huge source of, of creativity for your pursuit. And Einstein says that imagination is more important than knowledge, right? So imagination is one of the things that AI won't replace in humans. But if you are imaginative and bring AI to help you once you have already imagined something, it might give you a new idea that is different from the human way of thinking. So in a way, AI can help you with imagination as well because it can provide you with new pathways, new possibilities, and it can spark a new imagination in you, in your future, in your goals, in your aspirations, right? I'm imagining doing one of those reviews and then asking an AI trained on you <laughs> some journal questions like the Odyssey plan. If, if, if societal obligations weren't a factor and also I had infinite money, like what would I do with my time? And, or like, what is an alternative path that I could go down in five in the next five years? Or like, what patterns do you see in how I think or feel in this state? from my journal entries and i think the power is it sounds like I, I know a lot of people are already thinking like it sounds like so uh it's like you're putting a system on emotions but to me it's like no the thing that it's trained on is your raw emotions and thoughts like it's still trained on you it's not like you're you're making this up um and also it brings an outside perspective because i don't know if you ever heard of the solomon effect but when you look at yourself from the outside as if you were looking at yourself at a friend you get a completely detached perspective compared to how you usually work through the world which is you are inside of your head and oftentimes i can give you insights into how to act because when you're constantly in your own head it's hard to see the greater picture and i think having an ai partner that could be that outside observer would actually be super helpful in personal growth endeavors, as you said. Yeah, absolutely, man. I was holding my excitement as you were speaking because <laughs> it's indeed <laughs> I a, could see a, you. You were like... an awesome <laughs> opportunity and an awesome possibility to use an AI which is trained on your own perspective and your own knowledge to help you with the process, right? It's fascinating. <laughs> I, I'm curious, uh, transitioning from AI, what are, speaking of knowledge, three books that have resonated most with you? Okay, <laughs> this one is a, <laughs> is a deep one. And I actually have <laughs> prepared like a, a list of, of 10 to, to 15 books that are very dear to me and that have changed my perspective on life so <laughs> forgive me but i'm gonna open my my cheat sheet here so that i can just like <laughs> look at them instead of of using yeah. <laughs> top of mind as the as the kind of the go-to method here so like books they are so interesting man and they like can completely change your life. So it depends on, on the moment, right? Like what moment of life are we talking about? And for that reason, the most 
impactful book that I've read in my life has been Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, because this book was very important on a decisive moment in my life. So going back to that beginning of the story, right on 2018, 2019, that was the period when I read this book. It was actually in two goals, like two different sittings. So the first time I abandoned the book, the second time I picked it up from the beginning. And both, both occasions provided like massive transformation in my life. Not because of the book itself, also because of the book itself, but especially because of the reflections and the deep considerations that I made about my own life. Right. So I thought about my values. I thought about my vices, right? What, what are the pleasures that I was seeking? What's the pain that I was avoiding? So it was a deeply, the deep process of self-knowledge. So that was definitely the best book to, to kind of, kick off this list because <laughs> it's it's so it's such a it was such a powerful book for me and i'm wondering if i should take this what direction should i take this because i have a couple of options now but i think i think i'm gonna go with what my feeling is telling me so another book that radically changed my life was the biology of belief it's a book by Bruce Lipton, and it's not your standard book about biology because it goes into the principles of quantum physics applied to biology. So it's basically a book about quantum biology. And like the lesson deep inside the book is that he explains with physics and biology, like written out word by word, why your thoughts create your reality. So we've all heard this before that your thoughts create your reality because you think about things and you're, you're going to start to see them in your life. But Bruce Lipton, he's a PhD in biology and he explains like on the cellular level what's happening in your organism after you have a thought. So when you have a thought, you're signaling to all of the cells in your body something. And the frequency of that thought and the characteristics of that thought will basically define the message that you're sending to each of those cells. So it's a deeply scientific book. So this is a, a deep dive, right? It's not, not shallow at all, but it had a huge transformation in the way that I see the world because it, it gave an explanation, uh, like a biological explanation about lots of things that I've heard on the spirituality um, topic that I was already trying to implement that I was aware of, but I didn't understand why. So this book gave me the kind of the explanation. And it's really fascinating. The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. And finally, I think I can kick off, finish this off with a book that I read this year and has been radically transformation in my life as well and it is the book bold by peter diamandis and stephen kotler and the, this book is extremely relevant to the knowledge management space because it talks about the concept of exponential technologies and exponential technologies are 
exactly what you think they are okay? technologies that give you exponential results so if you have a, a team of like 10 people the idea is that if you're using an exponential technology you are going to be able to have the work and like be able to do quality work that a hundred people would be able to do right or a thousand people if you're doing it really well and there are different characters different styles of exponential technologies but for me it's extremely clear that note-taking apps and i personally use tana as an example because i'm like really diving deep into tana but like obsidian also has the same potential if it if it works like for multiple people because i think the jump here with exponential technologies that you need to be able to use it simultaneously, like as a team. So in, in that sense, like I, I will talk about Tana because that's what I understand about. And for me, it's very clear that Tana is an exponential technology. So studying the book is both like a, a technical book and a, an aspirational book because it gives you the awareness and like the the permission to think about billion dollar businesses and like how today in the society we live in right now billion dollar businesses can happen in a, in a year right like it, it's this has never happened before because we are now on the age of exponential technologies before you would need decades maybe 100 years to reach a billion dollar business but now people from their garage and their living room are able to create billion dollar businesses, right? So it, it's both a technical book, but it's also goes deeply on the psychological aspects of it as well. And it helps you think big. So I'm really fan, really big fan of thinking big. So this book is the third one in my list, Bold by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. I am 100% reading that last one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fascinating. It is, and it is. also the biology of belief as well. Like you're right. I have heard that saying so often, mm -hmm. but how does it actually play out biologically is, is also very interesting. Um, and then I've also read, uh, I haven't read Awaken the Giant Within, but I've read Money Master the Game mm -hmm. uh, by Tony Robbins. So I, I love his writing style. Yeah, they're probably similar. Yeah, the, the process yeah. is more important than the book itself. Speaking of PKM, what is one thing that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your PKM journey that you know now? <laughs> this is a good one. Um, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to choose one, 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 <laughs> one item. And this one item is something that I took a long time to finally master. And it goes back to retrieval. So I spent like years creating notes and never looking back at them because I wasn't able to find them. So there are two aspects here. First, you need to be reminded of finding your notes. And second, you need to be able to have the ability to find your notes. So this is what I would tell myself four years ago is have a way to find your notes, like ability to find your notes and have a reminder to find your notes. Those are two very important that they're one very important aspect which is retrieval of your notes so this is it i i agree completely i used to 
never ever go back to my notes in Rome research and there are still notes in there I've probably never seen and never will see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I really resonate with that. Uh, what is your favorite brand and consistency of peanut butter? Okay. So we are probably <laughs> going to be talking different languages and I mean literal <laughs> different languages because I'm in Brazil and things here are in Portuguese. But I've actually brought this on camera. It's a peanut butter with coconut sugar and Himalayan oh. salt. And it's as if you were having a, a peanut butter with caramel salt, salted caramel. But instead of salted caramel, it's salted coconut. And it's oh my explosive. It explodes in your in your mouth. It's like so so vivid and present. So I really enjoy this style and the brand is not going to be <laughs> very relevant because it's a Brazilian one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to send you my mail address after this <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to send one of those over. I love I'm going to ship you a present dated. <laughs> <laughs> ship me a pair. I love coconut. I love peanut butter. I love salted caramel. Those are all things that in combination theoretically should just yeah be amazing and it lives so, up to the expectation so wait and see <laughs> is there any question that i have not asked that you've wished i asked any question that i wish you've asked probably actually you made a very good job <laughs> of covering <laughs> lots of my my interests and you went into books you went into giftedness into knowledge management personal growth i think like just to wrap things up i wish you would have asked me about spirituality or meditation so that's a, a question that i would have loved for you to to make and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to answer the question. No, 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 we are. That's <laughs> yeah. the whole point of this question. Yeah. So maybe um, I'm going to formulate the question and I'm going to give yes, the answer formulate myself. formulate the question. <laughs> Ask it yourself. So is, you, you become the podcast. Yeah, now. it's time. <laughs> so Fees, what, what is the role that spirituality and meditation has had on your personal growth and your knowledge management journey? So now I'm switching gears. <laughs> And for me, now as, as the answer, I think that spirituality and meditation are, of course, two different things, but they're in a similar category. And for me, personal growth is all about spirituality, because in a sense, when you're growing as a person, you're connecting to your self you're connecting to your higher purpose you're connecting to god whatever like religion or or description you you want so i like to say that i am connecting myself to the universe so for me the process of personal growth has been intimately connected with my spiritual development of attuning myself to to be the beauty that that the universe has i really like the term the benevolent universe and in an age where so many people are struggling, it's hard to find like the space to actually understand that the universe is benevolent. So many people operate from the frame of a of a mean universe or like a mean God, right? That's here to punish us. 
and actually it's it's the opposite right the, the universe is here to help you and you're here to help the universe like it's a co-creation process and for me the process of personal growth is intimately connected to the spiritual path and just to finish the, the podcast on a high note i don't know how but i have a very strong conviction that the knowledge management community and the knowledge management topic of studying will be incredibly useful for like elevating human consciousness and and spreading a more spiritual view of the world again i don't know how it's just a very strong opinion and a feeling that i have because if you're looking for the truth you will find the truth and like people who are working with knowledge management, they are looking for something, right? You're studying, right? You're organizing your knowledge, you're thinking, you're having ideas, you're making sense of them. So if you are going through this process, you will eventually find the truth. And, and the truth for me is deeply spiritual and it's related to that benevolent universe and to the idea that we are here to just elevate each other and to spread compassion and to spread love. So I think that he who seeks finds the truth. And, and I think that the knowledge management community will have a, a role. I, I don't know. It's going to be a, a central role, a secondary role, but I know that these note taking apps and the ability to share your notes and the ability to accelerate the thinking process will eventually lead humanity to find that place of truth faster. So that's my final answer. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up at the end because to me, they're so fundamentally connected. I feel like when you're born and as you're growing up, you are naturally socialized to think of yourself as separate from the universe. You conceptualize things in your world that are not the same as you like oh that is a tree this is a different person this is that this is that right we have to label things in order to talk with other people otherwise we would be completely overwhelmed by the amount of information coming in to consciousness because we wouldn't be able to generalize anything it would be super overwhelming but i believe that as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the process of knowledge management combined, uh, PCAM combined with personal growth by developing self-knowledge is deeply related to spirituality because learning more about yourself helps you overcome self-deception. There are so many times before I got into PCAM where like, I would make a decision. I had no idea why I made such a rash or stupid choice. And I realized only afterward, I'm like, oh, it's because I'm biased in this way. Or it's because when I'm in this environment, I tend to be angry or tired. Or in this state, I don't, I make decisions that are like this. So overcoming self-deception in that way more deeply connects you with the universe because you can see through the 
goggles that every that everyone naturally is wearing to see through the world so i love that idea i think that's a great high note to to end the the podcast on is like the relation of spirituality and and pkm um where can viewers reach you outside of the podcast yeah it's it's a very nice reflection and it was pleasure to have this conversation with you aiden and people can reach me in mainly in twitter which is fees fraga it's my handle f-i-s fees fraga and also on my website which is feesfraga.com there you will find links to my my newsletters and any other relevant material that you can find about me so for now that's it i will be working more on a youtube channel but if you follow those two you'll eventually find find the channel uh, naturally yeah (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for coming on i i think there's gonna be so much value uh, in this episode in regards to all three of your interests, I believe. 